When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Welcome to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Now for your host, Dan Mater. And welcome back, MD Nation, to the show. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. We're back with the MD's Fantasy Football Show podcast, episode two of the 2020 season. And today, we're kicking off our potential fantasy value series, which will have a three-episode part we're doing on the quarterbacks and the tight ends in today's show. But of course, before we get started on all of that, we're going to talk about some of the free agency moves that have been made since we talked to you guys last week. And on top of all that, we're going to have a very special guest joining us during the show when we go to talk about the rookies and what our expectations are for them from a fantasy standpoint and what kind of pros they could possibly be. So very exciting stuff today. And I'll introduce you guys to the host once he call, or the guest once he calls in. And I'm very excited to get him on. 
So great show for you guys today. Jam-packed guests, as I promised, more of those to come throughout the offseason especially. We'll probably just go to being more of a solo show during the season just because it's more difficult. Everybody's busy during that. But this time, this is a part of the year where we can all kind of get together and collaborate and give you the best entertainment and informational purposes from all the best talent out there in the fantasy world, which there is a lot of in the industry. So we're very excited to be able to bring that to you guys. One of the new things going on with the show before we go ahead and get into the content that we want to talk to you guys about is the new MD Nation Hotline is actually where the guest is going to be calling in today, 609-362-2480. You can call that number, leave your fantasy comment, leave your fantasy question, and even go on a rant if you want to get something off your chest and get on the show. At the last part of each episode when we have uh, a caller call in and leave a comment, a question, or go on a, a possible rant, whatever you got to do, get off your chest, we will put that at the end of the show and respond to it. So it's one of the easy ways for you guys to be able to actually talk to me on the show, get your questions answered, get your comments answered, and actually get yourself on the show as well and get a nice shout out. So make sure you leave your name so that way we can shout you out properly and everybody knows who called in as part of the MD Nation crew, the MD Nation community. And it's just one of the many ways that we have going on right now for you to be able to interact with the show. We still can we still can uh, interact on Twitter at MDSFF Show. We can still interact on Facebook at MDFF Show. And you can still email the show directly mdsfantasyfootball at gmail.com. Still all those ways are accessible, but to get on the show, be part of the show, be part of the segment, we're hoping that this will take off and that this will replace uh, the mailbag segment that we usually would do. We'll see what winds up happening, but go ahead and call that MD Nation hotline 609-362-2480. But now that that's out of the way, we have a few free agency moves that happened this week since the last time that I was able to talk to you guys that we got to go over in this one. And a big one, of course, the biggest name I would say from a fantasy standpoint that happened since last Friday would be the signing of Melvin Gordon. And Melvin Gordon, man, he signs with the Broncos in this one. This is just, if you're a fantasy football fan and not necessarily a Denver Broncos fan, this was really the last thing that you wanted to see as far as Melvin Gordon actually signing on with the Denver Broncos for for obvious reasons, right? Well, number one, Melvin Gordon himself just lost a ton of fantasy value because now he's going to have to be splitting time with Philip Lindsay. It also destroys Philip Lindsay's value. Royce Freeman, the expectation while he is on the roster at the moment is that they're, they very well might just move on from him altogether. That was the big reason why they brought Melvin Gordon in. It was a big reason why they had talked about all offseason wanting to bring a running back in to pair up with Philip Lindsay. They seemingly have moved on from the Royce Freeman sweepstakes. So even if he winds up being on the roster, which I don't expect, He's not someone who clearly is in their plans, and to be expected, because now you have Pat Shermer being the offensive coordinator, he's not exactly a Pat Shermer type of running back, so it doesn't really surprise me all that much that Royce Freeman would not be a guy that they're planning on being in their future. Now, what does this mean for Melvin Gordon and for uh, Philip Lindsay moving forward? The, the idea is, what kind of split are we going to see? Is this going to be a first and second down with goal line work and Philip Lindsay being the passing down back? Is it going to be that kind of situation, or are we just going to see a dead-on split? My personal opinion and my belief is that it's going to be a split as far as overall touches go. Both will be worked in the rushing game. Both will be worked in the passing game here and there. Now, the only question I'm not 100% sure about is whether we're just going to see a general 55-45 to split 
maybe maybe 60 40 split possibly and this and this would be in favor of melvin gordon has the bigger name getting paid the bigger amount of money it's more likely that he's going to be the guy to be the quote unquote uh starter that we're going to have there and so keeping that in mind that's where we're kind of sitting there like okay we're going to have to see exactly uh, what's going to happen as far as that split goes, but that would probably be the deal. Now, is it just going to be an alternating carry thing, snap thing, formation thing, or is this going to be a situation where it's more like a series-by-series basis, kind of like what we saw back in the day, not, not that far back in the day, with Tevin Coleman and Devontae Freeman all those years? We saw quite a bit of that. I wouldn't be surprised if that wound up being a similar situation that we get to see here. So kind of keep that in mind. Uh, and what we'll be able to do there as far as that goes is uh, we'll be able to get a better projection, a better idea once these guys get back in camp, once these guys get in OTAs, we can start talking to beat writers again. We plan on doing that like we did a season ago. Hopefully we'll be able to do that again. And if not, then we'll just keep our ears to the grindstone. You can always follow us along on Twitter at MDSFFshow for those player news update notifications. But that's what, we, that's what our expectation is as of now. Just to kind of go back a little bit, Melvin Gordon leaving the Chargers, what does that mean? Look, as of right now, yes, Justin Jackson, Austin Eckler, the only two players left on the roster. And yes, they do seem to like Justin Jackson. It wouldn't surprise me if they did go in the route of trying to utilize the two of them. But it would it would surprise me if they didn't add somebody else, whether it be through the draft or whether it be through somebody who's available in free agency. I'm kind of looking at Devontae Freeman because right now there's some guys available who don't have a lot of clear landing spots who could wind up coming in cheap. I think Freeman is somebody you could get on a one-year prove-it deal for pretty cheap right now, and it wouldn't really surprise me if they wound up going that route. We know Austin Eckler is not going to be the guy who's getting, you know, seven targets a game with 20 carries. That's just not going to happen. I think people are questioning, okay, how much does Justin Jackson get? And while he's a nice little talent, I think Justin Jackson's more of a backup running back at the end of the day. So we'll see exactly what's able to happen there. But I would say as of right now, the expectation to me would be that they're going to add somebody either through free agency or through the draft. So I'm not going to get too overly excited about the situation as it stands right now, other than knowing that Austin Eckler will have his role. And especially in PPR leagues, half-point PPR leagues, he's going to have flex to RB2 potential because he's going to have his role, his share of the workload. That much is for sure as far as the Chargers side of things uh, go. If you're in Dynasty Leagues, I do want to point this out real quick. Philip Lindsay, if you can sell him, I would sell him. Look, they signed Melvin Gordon to a two-year deal. If he takes off there, and I think he will because he fits that pass Shermer system pretty well because he usually likes to have those r- running backs who are a three-down feature back. So if he's able to fit that system pretty well, and I think he will, you might see him kind of edge out Philip Lindsay to some degree. Not, I'm not saying that suddenly that he's going to get thrown by the wayside because that's not what's going to happen, but... Phil Lindsay's stock could go down, 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 and down as we get closer if Melvin Gordon starts picking things up and if he plays as good as we know he can, especially if he's able to stay healthy. So kind of keep that in mind if you can as far as that situation goes. Now, another ta- a movie that we got to talk about here would be uh, Emmanuel Sanders. And in Emmanuel Sanders' case, he goes to signs with the Saints. His value in and it of itself I don't think is going to be crazy high. But what he does do is he frees up that offense to be a little bit more efficient. He makes it so defenses can no longer key on just Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara in the passing game. Defenses are going to have to actually respect that second wide receiver. The person this does hurt the most, though, is Jared Cook. Look, 
He didn't get a lot of targets until the end of the year as it was. And if you add Emmanuel Sanders, who's going to be operating in a very similar territory over that middle of the field, that intermediate part of the field that Jared Cook usually operates in, I do think Emmanuel Sanders will steal a lot of Jared Cook's work. Now, this could be a situation where there are so many good weapons. Drew Brees can go one-on-ones that this entire offense could be one of being a top five offense and everybody can get theirs as a result. So that's going to be the question is, do they go a little bit more up-tempo? Do they let Drew Brees in what is most likely going to be his last season? I know they got a two-year contract extension, but the word is that he was really like on the border of just retiring this year. So it wouldn't be surprised me if it winds up being this season. He just goes ahead and retires anyway, but the most would be two seasons and they kind of let, line it up and let him kind of do his thing if they do that everybody will be able to get there as Emmanuel Sanders including himself will be a guy who become a wide receiver three in my book if that can happen uh, because he's going to be seeing as the second corners he's not going to be the guy defenses are keying on so and he's also a very good veteran wide receiver and he's the perfect type of wide receiver for Drew Brees because he's a guy who knows how to run a, run a lot of routes a lot of timing routes Drew Brees is a master of accuracy when it comes to those timing routes so uh, there is some potential here. He's somebody you're going to be able to take late because everyone's going to know, look, it's, it's going to be Thomas. It's going to be Kamara. Probably still going to lead the team in targets at the end of the day. So Emmanuel Sanders being the third option on his own team, there's a pretty good chance we're talking about a guy who's going to be in the double-digit rounds, and he's definitely going to outperform that ADP. And that's kind of what I foresee happening here. So kind of keep that in mind when you go in your redraft leagues with Emmanuel Sanders. But the big thing here, Michael Thomas, he's going to be Michael Thomas. He's going to have some natural regression just because his target share was so high last season with Emmanuel Sanders coming in. But I'm not worried about Sanders being the factor of why he loses targets. And also, I would say it's pretty safe to say that Michael Thomas is still going to get 140 plus targets this season. He's Michael Thomas. He's the number one wide receiver. He's matchup proof. He gets his targets no matter what. Uh, he's still going to be my number one guy, no matter what the scoring format is. And of course, Alan Kamara is still too dynamic where he's not going to lose that many targets either. So I think there's just a, I think there's an option here where we could see the Saints maybe throw the ball a little bit more in general, where I don't think uh, Manuel Sanders coming in is actually going to steal a ton of targets away from the other players with the exception of Jared Cook. He's going to be the guy that if I'm drafting, I'm drafting as a flyer very, very late in drafts because it's going to be a huge question mark as far as what his role, what his volume is really going to be in all of this now. So that's that's the kind of one we're going to kind of work out throughout the offseason, especially get more into projections. And I'm, I'm weighing those out now and doing the variables and algorithms and stuff for that uh, very soon. But that's kind of what we're looking at as far as Emmanuel Sanders goes. Next move, the next big move that we want to talk about today is Robbie Anderson. And with Robbie Anderson's situation here, he signs with the Carolina Panthers, and that has big fantasy implications, mostly negative, but for a lot of different purposes, right? Because first of all, okay, he leaves the Jets. They sign Brashad Perryman to replace him. That's fine. Jameson Crowder is the only wide receiver you want to own there. He's the only wide receiver, especially in the Adam Gase offense, who's actually going to get targets on a consistent basis from week to week. So, James Crowder is somebody who's going to go late. He's going to have nice, consistent volume for you there. And that's who you can kind of pay attention to. And that, I think, was going to kind of be the case whether Robbie Anderson wound up staying or not. Now, Robbie Anderson going to Carolina Panthers. The negative aspect of this is that I think this could really kill Curtis Samuel's value. Uh, you have to kind of look at it like this. Joe Bree is going to come in, and this indicates to me he's going to run his predominant three-receiver set offense that he likes to be able to do. That's, that's number one. 
So then when you, fa- you pair that up, so it's like, okay, so you're going to be a little bit more of a wa- open offense than you were a season ago where it's pretty much we got DJ Moore, we got Christian McCaffrey, and then maybe once every two weeks we work Curtis Samuel into that rotation, which was kind of how it was going for majority of that season. You're going to be a little bit more open in that sense. Will Christian McCaffrey get 100 catches again this year? Eh, probably not. Uh, not that he's going to be far off, 70-80. I think that's definitely still in the plausibility. So we're not looking at a, a huge drop-off here when it, comes to, when it comes to that by any means. That's not what we're saying. But what I am going to say is that with DJ Moore, will still be the number one target here. He's still going to be the guy that you want to own in the Carolina receiving core at the end of the day. He's going to run those underneath routes. He's going to run the routes that Teddy Bridgewater is used to being able to throw and used to being able to do. The real question mark is, how open, how much are they going to ask Teddy Bridgewater to throw the ball? And while we saw definitely a capable starting NFL caliber quarterback last season, is he going to be the guy who's going to come in and just spread it wide open? If he can, then all of a sudden, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, and even to a lesser degree, and sometimes in flex situations, Curtis Samuel are all going to be able to have value on top of, you know, Christian McCaffrey being the number one running back in fantasy football. I don't care who you talk to. Uh, so that's going to be the real question mark. Are you going to be allowed to sling it around? And are you going to sling it around? Because now with DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, Curtis Samuel, you're talking about three guys who can get deep on a consistent basis, but you paired him with a quarterback who doesn't necessarily throw the deep ball that often. So that's that's going to be the question. Does he adapt to does Teddy Bridgewater get more aggressive now that he's going to be the most likely the starting quarterback? I think that's more of the question mark that everyone's going to have to wait and see on. But here's what I'll say at the end of the day. Joe Brady is a very good offensive mind. They're going to have a wide-open offense, and I really like the weapons that they have around them. Robbie Anderson is still going to be that guy who's going to be able to come in and just win you a week out of nowhere, but he's going to probably be more on the inconsistent side. You're probably talking about more of a wide receiver three flex type of guy. And I think Curtis Samuel for now, we have to consider him a wide receiver four until we start to see the targets and the offense itself get a little bit more up-tempo, get a little more wide open. But D.J. Moore is still a solid wide receiver two to me. Uh, he showed me a lot last year. He improved quite a bit in his route running. He just he knows how to get separation. He knows how to get open. They move them all around the field. There's a lot of things to like about DJ Moore, especially in this Joe Brady offense. He fits that mold of this scheme perfectly. So they're going to utilize him all over the field. He's the guy that from week to week, I would expect is going to get the majority of the share. And because he does line up all over the field, he's not somebody who gets taken away automatically by a shutdown corner on the other team. So that's kind of what I like to see here. That's kind of my take on what that's going to, how it's going to affect everybody there. Uh, Not necessarily the situation I wanted to see. I wanted to see Robbie Anderson go to a good offense that he could also have been the number one. And honestly, after he got traded, after DeAndre Hopkins was traded to the Arizona Cardinals, I really thought the Houston Texans made a lot of sense. They need another wide receiver, get another deep threat, especially with Will Fuller who gets hurt all the time. You can keep uh, a weapon who can still take the top off of a defense. And I knew at this point, because it was later on in free agency, he wasn't going to command a ton of money. I don't really understand why the Texans, especially since he only winds up getting a two-year, $20 million a year. So you're talking about $10 million a year for the next two years. I don't really understand why the Texans didn't go after him, other than Bill O'Brien, once again, is proving more and more as each day that he's more and more of an idiot when it comes to general managing. So that's kind of what we're looking at there. I was a little surprised. I was hoping that was going to be his destination. Carolina, for fantasy purposes, really kind of makes it a pain, but for the team-wise, it could make this offense one of the more dynamic offenses uh, this upcoming season, Depending, and it's all going to depend upon how good is Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, just a few honorable mentions I want to get through, but we don't have to necessarily go into great detail about 
And that would be Peyton Barber signing with the Washington Redskins. The quick synopsis there is I don't know what the Redskins are doing. I don't know why they brought in Peyton Barber. I don't know why they actually paid Peyton Barber a decent amount of money to bring him in, too. You still have Adrian Peterson on the roster, who presumably would be doing the same thing Peyton Barber would, and has been doing it pretty well, effectively. And I don't know why you would bring in Peyton Barber, who does it even not as good as Adrian Peterson at the age of 35, and you're paying Adrian Peterson less. Uh, less. It, it doesn't make any sense. But Peyton Barber, Adrian Peterson, Darius Geis, J.D. McKissick, and Bryce Love, who we haven't even seen yet, are all going to be jumbled in that backfield. Nobody's going to know who's going to be the guy, and there may not be a guy. And that's what it's kind of shaping up to be. So we're not sure what's going on there. Big, the big synopsis would just be stay away from the Washington Redskins uh, rushing attack by all by any means necessary. Because uh, the fact that they signed Peyton Barber to that too, even if Darius Geis is able to come back healthy, it doesn't sound like they plan on giving him a ton of carries because you're gonna have to you're gonna have to uh, make the contract you just gave Barber worth it. Right? So that's going to be the key situation there. As far as the flip side of that, Tampa Bay, yes, Ronald Jones is the last man left standing as of right now, but guaranteed, whether it's through free agency, whether it's through the draft, Tampa Bay is going to be adding another running back. So I would, I, we're you know, abstaining from giving any kind of real fantasy advice as far as that regard goes until we see what move they make next and includes in dynasty i'm not going to go out and trade for him if you can trade him away for a higher price tag than you normally would have gotten from ronald jones because of the situation right now i would do that in a heartbeat because i don't believe ronald jones is actually a good nfl running back but as it stands right now i'm not going to get overly excited about his uh fantasy prospects uh, another quick guy to mention, Deion Lewis will be the backup to Saquon Barkley for the Giants. Something just to kind of keep in mind there. Travis Benjamin signs with the 49ers. Uh, I don't think there's much there for that one. And Devin Funches signs with the Green Bay Packers, or, or at least he's expected to. I don't know if that was actually made official yet. But Devin Funches going to the Packers is a little bit interesting. However, at this point, knowing what Devin Funches has after being hurt and not playing much really the last two years now, I don't know what to really expect out of this guy. So, while in name, while in theory having a legitimate second wide receiver, Devontae Adams, something the Green Bay Packers desperately need, uh, I don't know if Devin Funches is really that guy. And we know he can't, he can't take off the top of the defense. I think he's really going to be there more to compete with Scantling, compete with uh, St. Brown for that second wide receiver spot. So I'm... I don't really, I don't really think there's much fantasy value here to be had, and frankly, I don't think this was the move the Packers needed to make to get that legitimate second target for uh, cross away from Devonte Adams for Aaron Rodgers. So it remains to be seen. If this is all they wind up doing, then we'll have a we'll have a better idea. We'll have a, uh, a more of a fantasy analysis for you, a more hardcore one. But as it stands right now, this is pretty much a nothing move to me. It doesn't move the needle at all for me in any kind of way. It doesn't affect Devontae Adams, and it doesn't amplify Aaron Rodgers, in my opinion, at this moment. So before we get into it right here, I'm going to give you the MyBookie live read for you guys. And even though there's no sports going on right now, with MyBookie, you can bet on almost anything including the Democratic nomination, the presidential election, even the name of the next pope. Join now and start winning big today. Visit mybookie.ag and use promo code BELLYUP for a 50% deposit bonus. That's promo code BELLYUP. All right, MD Nation, and we are back here with our very special guest today to help us break down the quarterbacks and tight ends 
that we're going to be talking about going into this draft class. Now, if you weren't with us last year, what we do do, we don't we don't go through every single player because that would take forever. But what we do is we go through a handful of guys that we know you're going to be hearing about throughout the draft process, throughout uh, what kind of fantasy value and dynasty value that you're going to be getting throughout this entire thing and what guys you need to really know about in depth. And that's why we do these shows kind of highlight these players. And I couldn't think of anybody better to bring on here than the belly of fantasy sports.com top dynasty writer, Mr. Houston Wenzel. You can find him on Twitter at FD Houston W Houston. How are you doing today? Good, Dan. How are you? Excellent. Excellent. I want to thank you for coming on to the show. It's your first time on here and hopefully we'll have you on throughout the season for everybody out there, especially on the dynasty purposes and make sure they're checking out your articles on belly up fantasy sports.com whenever possible. And uh, I brought you in here today, of course, we're going to talk about some quarterbacks to top it off. And I selfishly want to talk about my first quarterback that was number one on my board to attack Lavoa. Tell me your thoughts on, on some of your thoughts on him for me, will you? However, um, it's been, I just saw a video recently of him doing some footwork skills, and he looks like he can be the top quarterback in this class, and I would agree that he's the top quarterback in this class. Um, However, we probably will see Joe Burrow at 101, but that doesn't make me mad at all, because I do think Tua may land in Miami, which would be a better spot for him, I personally think. He may be able to sit for a year, which we saw with greats like uh, Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers as they sit for a year, learn the system, and I think that might benefit Tua. I mean, I I agree with that. Of all the the quarterbacks that are coming in, I do think that if he was the one who got to sit, uh, it would definitely be the most beneficial for just to make sure he's fully recovered from that injury. But the reason, one of the reasons why he's my number one guy is I think a lot of people are making too much of that hip injury right now coming into it. He has been cleared by doctors to ramp up his football activity. He is expected to be healthy to take the field coming into training camp day one. Now, because he's been a little bit banged up throughout his career, because he really missed half of this year, I do agree with you. He is somebody who I do believe if he could sit for a year, he would. And the Dolphins, as you said, or even if it wound up being the Chargers, they surprisingly traded up to move into that spot. Uh, you're talking about two teams there with with Ryan Fitzpatrick and then Chargers with Tyrod Taylor are set up to allow him to sit for a year. Unlike with the Cincinnati Bengals, it would make some sense why they would be possibly want to go Joe Burrow in that instance uh, because they wouldn't necessarily have to. But to me, he is the one generational quarterback in this draft class. He's the guy who can completely turn a franchise around. There's nothing he can't do. He can he can improvise. He can he has a great arm. He can flick it. The one thing I love about him is being a lefty who can kind of just flick it. He reminds me so much of uh, Steve Young. That's why I keep harping on. That's why he's my number one guy because I compare him to a future Hall of Famer, uh, quite frankly. And he's mobile and can do uh, really a little bit of everything. If he were to wind up on the Dolphins, do you think he could wind up having value year one, taking over halfway through the season? Or do you think it's really a sit situation where he needs to wait until year two? And then what kind of fantasy value is he going to have after that? Well, I do think if he went to the Dolphins, the plan would be to sit him year one. But as we know, as Ryan Fitzpatrick, he can get into interception trouble. And it wouldn't be hard for um, the Dolphins to say, hey, Tua, you're in. 
Um, and there's, and I think that wouldn't be the way they wanted to go. But if it did happen, I do think Tua would have relevance in the fantasy game. He would be surrounded by wide receivers, Devontae Parker. I'm really high on Preston Williams and what he showed last year before going down with injury. Um, the emergence of Mike Gusecki as a tight end. Tua would have the weapons, and I do think they'd bring in um, and more weapons with him in this draft class to pair him with. Uh, the Dolphins' defense is getting better. They should be able to play in more competitive games in 2020. So if Tua was called in to play and have to show up, I think he could provide fantasy numbers for owners. I, I agree with that. I do think he's somebody who might wind up being a streaming option, especially when you have Devontae Parker and Preston Williams, like you said. And a Chan Gailey system, don't forget, it's a it's a run-and-gun type of system. So they do like to throw it around. They do like to open it up a little bit. So there's a possibility there if he gets that chance of Ryan Fitzpatrick. But moving along, because we got a lot of guys we do want to talk about, and we, got, we have to talk about Joe Burrow, of course, next. Uh, probably the most NFL-ready quarterback. But what, what's your early takes here uh, just watching the tape on uh, Joe Burrow? watched him play in the Oklahoma game who did it when he threw first uh, seven touchdowns in the first half I mean that's just crazy he had some great receivers at LSU with Justin Jefferson and next year Jamar Chase um, I think it'd be stupid for the Bengals not to pick Joe Burrow at the 101 I would I don't even know how the fans would react if they decided not to but if Joe Burrow Joe Burrow is a quarterback that can have fantasy numbers this year because he won't have any competition. I don't believe they'll plan on keeping Andy Dalton much longer. They've called the Bears. They've called other teams to maybe take them off, take him in their hands. Um, I just traded for Tyler Boyd in one of my dynasty leagues because he got to throw it to someone. They just uh, tagged A.J. Green, and I do think they'll look to bring in more offensive talent for Joe Burrow to come in. Um, in Superflex Dynasty rookie draft, I could make a case for Joe Burrow at the 101. I just think that he will have a long career that he can produce fantasy numbers. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing really not to like about the guy coming in. And the biggest thing for me right now with a lot of these rookies is situation, situation, situation. Where are they going to wind up at? And with Joe Burrow, we kind of have, you know, we have a pretty good idea that he's going to wind up on the Cincinnati Bengals. And a couple of things that come with that are you have Zach Taylor, who runs the Steve McVay type of offense, or Sean, Sean McVay type of offense, excuse me. And one of the things with that is they have the perfect weapons to run that offense. I thought they did a year ago. The problem was A.J. Green got hurt. But you're going into this season, presumably, with a healthy Tyler Boyd, healthy A.J. Green, and a possibly healthy John Ross, all of whom fit that system perfectly. Don't forget about Joe Mixon. If they can figure out anything along that offensive line to give him a little bit more protection, even as a rookie, I really could see this guy being having a stream value as far as redraft. Maybe even a guy that you wouldn't say, hey, you know what, I don't care he's a rookie because of the offense, because of the weapons he has around him. I could see taking him as your late, late, late quarterback in the 16th round, and that's just talking about redraft leagues. So I, I do think of all the quarterbacks, Joe Burrow might actually have the most value going into 2020 just because of the situation he's going to fall into. It's a better situation I think most people realize going into the Cincinnati Bengals. And as far as dynasty, to your point, 
Yeah, I mean, look, him and Tua are definitely going to have to be the top two quarterbacks you're going after for dynasty purposes. And and in both of those situations, the one thing he does have over Tua is that he has a better injury history. Uh, Tua has been per, has been producing at a higher level for longer because that's my big thing on Joe Burrow, and that's why I still have Tua kind of over him a little bit. Is you know, you came out of nowhere in one year, and it was kind of a perfect situation. You LSU, you always have athletes, but Joe Brady is a great offensive mind. So the question is going to be it's like, okay, how much was this Joe Burrow? How much was this Joe Brady? I do think as a question mark there but he's definitely healthier on a consistent basis than Tua is and therefore when you're talking about dynasty purposes if you're looking for that next quarterback who's going to last you 10-15 years uh, that the safer bet might be Joe Burrow and he's not a bad situation in where he's winding up at I totally agree um, one thing with the Bengals Jonah Williams will be back offensive tackle that they took in the first round in last year's draft and they will continue to address that problem they have at the offensive line. Joe Mixon had a great 2019, and he'll be able to take some of the stress off Burrow's shoulders as he comes into the league, and that's just only going to help him. He doesn't. I don't think Burrow has the uh, pressure on him to perform greatly right out of the gun, but he will find his stride and produce fantasy points for owners. And the thing is, you don't have to pay a premium price in, for him in redraft leagues because I – He's probably, like you said, a late 15-, 16-round quarterback because people are not going to be very sure on where they can take him year one. Yeah, totally agree. Now, next guy we talk about, he has a lot of hit-or-miss analysis. I personally like him a lot, especially if he were to wind up with, say, the New England Patriots, which I think might be a big reason why they're not looking to sign different quarterbacks. I think they might have this guy in their sights, uh, possibly not in the first round, maybe in the second round, but that guy would be Jake Fromm. And one of the big things I loved about Jake Fromm coming out is how much he can throw it around, how polished he is. Yes, a lot of people want to make a big thing about his arm, but on tape, I consistently see this guy be able to throw with accuracy and with velocity outside the numbers. And to me, being able to do that 15, 20 yards down the field is more impressive and more indicative of your NFL arm strength than just being able to throw it a mile down the middle of the field. What's your take here on uh, Jake Fromm there, Houston? However, digging deeper into Fromm's tape makes me more excited about what this kid can actually bring to the league. Uh, I believe he has a natural fill in the pocket, and you can see that when you watch him play. This helps him because he does have an accurate arm with great ball placement. Um, one thing I know about him is he holds the school record at Georgia for the highest completion percentage. As If I was a coach and wanted a quarterback, I'd want a guy that can complete passes. It doesn't help when you're throwing the ball around and wide receivers aren't catching it. Uh, Fromm is one of the smart. I think he's one of the smartest QBs in this draft, as he just has the natural ability to read defenses. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. That's my, that was my biggest takeaway as well. I mean, outside of Atua and, and Joe Burrow, as their talent level goes, he is, to me, the most NFL-ready. He is a guy at worst, in my opinion, is going to be a great backup, but I think this is a guy who's going to be an NFL starter. Now, does he fit every system? I don't know that he does. I do think he needs to be in a more of a spread of mouth, dink and dunk type of system for him to really be able to excel, especially when you're talking about from a, a fantasy level. But this is really a guy that I am big on and seemingly bigger than most on 
uh, especially. And I like the point that the point that you just brought up about Georgia is the point that I usually try to make in his case. This was not a guy who had a ton of weapons around him, especially last season. And people forget that they were very injured, especially up front against that offensive line. He had a lot of pressure in his face all season long. And wide receivers, to your point, who are consistently uh, dropping the football. Uh, Jake Fromm is definitely somebody who's going to have, I think, more dynasty value than redraft value. He's not somebody I'm looking to necessarily start this year unless it was the perfect situation. Like, it, like maybe it would, if it is New England, maybe he would have a chance in that situation to have some redraft availability. But this is a guy who I think you can take in a dynasty league, stash him for a year, see, how, see what kind of situation he winds up in. But I do think this guy in the long run is going to pay off and be a starter for uh, some years to come. Kind of pick it up here a little bit. We're going to go with uh, Justin Herbert coming up next. What, I'll, let me hear your take on Justin Herbert because I have a pretty uh, a pretty controversial take on him my, myself. Well, I, I'm actually I like Justin Herbert. I think that uh, if he can fall to the Chargers, that'd be a great pick for them. And if he does go to the Chargers, I think he does beat out Tyrod Taylor and Easton Stick for the starting job. I think the Chargers have one of the best quarterback landing spots. You'd be joining Keenan Allen. Great big uh, touchdown target, Mike Williams. They just tagged Hunter Henry. Um, a great receiving back out of the backfield in Austin Eckler. Um, Herbert, as I saw in the... Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team, Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Now, see, yes, a lot of people agree with what you're saying right there. So I acknowledge that. Here's here's what I will say about Justin Herbert. Yes, he is a dual threat quarterback. He can move around quite a bit. I think Justin Herbert personally is going to be the biggest bust of the 2020 draft season. And I, I, I agree with you. I think there is a decent chance that he winds up landing with the Chargers because at the end of the day, Dolphins are a pick ahead and they also have more ammunition to move up if their plan is to move up and draft to attack a Lavoa. So I do think there's a better chance that Justin Herbert winds up on the Chargers. And I think it would be a big, big mistake. My biggest things with Justin Herbert is that he did not improve, in my opinion, at all in his three years in college. This is a guy who came in, he came up as hyped as anybody else. And 
and he showed out well early on, but he never really improved after that. This is a guy who everyone keeps saying he has a big arm, his big rocket arm. Yeah, he can throw it a mile down the middle of the field, and that's perfectly fine with me, except for this is a guy who's consistently inaccurate when asked to throw outside the numbers 15 to 25 yards down the field from, from the film that I've seen. I did a player profile spotlight on him uh, you know, a, a, like a month ago or so now, on and I'm breaking that kind of down where, like, yeah, he could put some velocity behind it, but it was consistently low. It was consistency short. Uh, it was especially when he had to throw outside the numbers and, and actually had to make NFL throws. And on top of it, I really question if this guy can actually read defenses all that well. You're coming from the Oregon system. It's set up for easy reads. It's set up for that one route, that first look, to be open. And if it's not, you can dump it off. Or if you're in Herbert's case, because you are mobile, you can kind of take off and run. I just didn't see a lot of improvement. That's why I think he's going to be my biggest bust. I get a lot of heat for that, and I don't care because I'm sticking to my guns on this one. I, I There's not a lot of Justin Herbert that I see, especially when it comes to consistency and technique. And I don't have a big grade on quarterbacks who come into coming from college who aren't that accurate, and he's not that accurate. That's why I've never been a big fan of, of Josh Allen. I continue to be not, not a fan of Josh Allen for that reason because typically quarterbacks who do not improve their accuracy in college do not improve their accuracy then in the NFL. Do you want to uh, rebuttal anything I just said there? No, I mean, with the inaccuracy concerns, that is, it is a concern in the NFL. If you can't throw the ball accurate and get it to your wide receiver, First of all, your offense won't move, and you won't put up anything in the fantasy production. Yeah, that's kind of what it boils down to for me, but I know I'm kind of in the minority on that one, which is perfectly fine. Next guy I want to talk about is Jalen Hurts. This is probably the first quarterback we're talking about that, uh, well, that's not true. Jake Fromm probably won't go in the first round either, but one of the quarterbacks who's probably going to go after the first round maybe has a chance to go late first if somebody were to trade back in. We've seen that over the past couple of years. Uh, Give me your take for uh, Jalen Hurst here. producing quarterbacks if he lands in the right situation. His name's been kind of quiet um, among scouts, and you look at mock drafts and everything, his name's just very quiet. But if I can remember correctly, wasn't Lamar Jackson a very quiet prospect for many NFL teams? As far as being a quarterback goes, uh, to some degree, yeah. Yeah, and the thing is, teams kept quiet about Lamar Jackson because they wanted him. Well, Jalen Hurts, he just knows how to win. Uh, finished with a 38-4 and record as a starter. He has tremendous leadership qualities. I don't know a guy that can be asked to step away from Alabama, but Tua could take over for him, have to sit, and then continue to come out and lead a team to win when he's called upon in the most important time. Um, one thing about Jalen Hurts is he has his legs, just like Lamar Jackson. And that might be the style of quarterback that we can see going forward. The league changes every year. Um, As much as it used to be a passing league last year, I'm pretty sure the top six passing teams didn't make the playoffs, and the top six running teams did make the playoffs. That'd be something that you wouldn't hear of just a few years ago. Um, But back to Jalen Hurts. With dual threat ability, um, as we know, like Lamar Jackson, the rushing stats can add up, and that's really good for fantasy production. One weakness Hurts has is uh, some accuracy concerns, and that might be a reason why he drops down draft boards, but he just needs to get 
he'll improve on that as the as he enters the league. Yeah, look, the player comparison I have for Jalen Hurst is uh, Tyrod Taylor. I think he's kind of a similar career path, I think, is what we could see from him. A guy's going to come in. He's not going to start right away, I don't think, no matter who drafts him, frankly. But he can come in. He has that dual threat ability. He Maybe he, at some point in his career, will get an opportunity to shine. And to your point, from a fantasy perspective, he's going to probably produce. He's going to probably be a streamer during that time period. If he gets to start for more than you know half a season, if he gets to be be the starter for another full year after that, kind of like how Tyrod did. He could be somebody people are looking at as a quarterback you could take late, you could maybe finish inside the top 12. I don't deny any of that. He has a lot of good fantasy aspects to his game, but it, Jalen Hurst is one of these guys, he, he kind of makes me laugh in the analysis around him because there's seemingly a lot of people who want to give him a lot of credit for him making this big improvement jump in Oklahoma. And all I keep saying is Oklahoma runs a very different offense. Yes, of course he was going to have a big production jump. That's what they do in Oklahoma. I, I, I don't see anything different from his game film from Alabama to Oklahoma as far as his actual technique, his consistency, his accuracy. I don't see any of that as an improvement. He's always been a guy who can make a play that you don't expect him to be able to make. He's always been a guy who has a good arm. He can get the field down, ball down the field, but he's also always been a guy who's been inconsistent. I think he's going to struggle with interceptions uh, throughout his career unless he learns how to be a veteran, how he learns how to play safe, and if he gets to start later on his career. It's kind of why I compare him to Tyrod Taylor in that sense. But there, early on, there's not so much anymore. But early on in this process, there was talk about Jalen Hurst maybe sneaking his way into the first round. There's still some to that degree. It's kind of cooled off. It's more of a second round. And I was just sitting there laughing my ass off because I'm just like, like he hasn't improved. I just love how every single year these guys get swept up in these college-producing numbers. And you look at Oklahoma, they don't play anybody who has a defense until the playoffs later on. And then they get beat by everybody who actually can play them kind of physicality and don't just let their, their four-wide air raid system just open up a defense and, run all, and, and throw all over them through Oklahoma. They're going to have numbers in that system. There's a lot of good things that he did. I'm not trying to come off as I'm dumping on Jalen Hurts because I'm not. I do like the guy quite a bit, but it just kind of makes me laugh that all of a sudden he's going to be this highly touted prospect guy coming out when he just had show, he didn't actually show any improvement when you actually watch the film, when you actually watch his technique and throwing the football. He just had a better offense that's going to produce better numbers. And all of a sudden, if you're a quarterback out of Oklahoma, suddenly you're you're going to be talked about as a first rounder. Uh, I'm, now all of a sudden the jury's out on Baker Mayfield, why was he a number one pick? To me, the jury should be out. It doesn't seem like it is as much, but the jury should be out on Kyler Murray because this isn't a guy who impressed me a lot his rookie season either. So at some point, these offenses need to be taken into consideration. But I think Curtis is somebody who could have some value down the road. Uh, but I just the hype on him, I thought, just got a little bit out of control. I don't know if you want to rebuttal any of that. Yeah, I mean, I would agree. Uh, I don't think he is a year one starter. I think he will sit a year, um, whether it be good or bad, maybe that dwindles out and uh, gets left behind, or he rises to, up to occasion when he's at. Um, one thing at Oklahoma, they are, they do produce um, a lot of points. I mean, they have a pretty prolific offense, and they don't play many good defenses. And when you do have my top wide receiver in this draft class, C.D. Lamb, to throw to, it makes life a little bit easier. Yeah, uh, uh, th- that's a great point as well that I didn't even uh, uh, bring up when you have a top talented wide receiver like that. Next guy we want to talk about here, uh, Jordan Love. Now, with this guy, he's probably one of the more 
hyped about prospects, right? Probably one of the more boomer bust guys. He could be a franchise guy or he could be a guy who's out of the league in a few years. Uh, what's, what's your take on Jordan Love and what you've seen out of him so far? You know, uh, he is rising into the first round of any uh, mock draft. And I, I don't really understand the hype. Um, he did have an impressive 2018 season at Utah State. Uh, where he threw for 3,567 yards with 32 touchdowns and six interceptions. These numbers are great, but if you look at his 2019 stats, he threw for 20 touchdowns and 17 interceptions. I just don't understand. He does have good accuracy, arm strength, great size. One thing I about him, he does struggle reading the deep defenses, and I find himself when watching his tape throwing in double coverage more often than not. I don't know how you feel about him, but I, I'm just not a huge fan. I agree with a lot of your takes on what the issues that he has, and that's why I think he, you know, he is looked at as a boomer bust type of product. I like Jordan Love a lot. My caveat would be it ha- he has he's one of the quarterbacks here who has to wind up in the right situation for him to really have a chance. He has probably I think probably the best live arm in this draft class. Jacob Easton's might be a little bit stronger as far as how far he can stretch it. But he has he has the most zip on his passes at any level of the field of all these quarterbacks. I believe he has a lot of raw talent to him. He is more mobile than people I think realize. Uh, but the thing with Jordan Love is like I player comped him to a more raw Deshaun Watson. Though he kind of throws the ball in a similar way in my mind. He's not quite as fast, but kind of plays a similar style where he'll take off and run if nothing's open down the field. Uh, he's kind of that mold of quarterback, but he just has a longer way to go as far as his technique and everything is. And I totally agree with you with the double coverage. He has that gunslinger mentality, that Brett Favre mentality where it's like, ah, my arm can get anything anywhere and I'm just going to YOLO it by pressure in my face because I believe that even throwing off my back foot, I can still throw up 50 yards on a dime. He does have that mentality that will get him into trouble uh, from time to time. He needs to go in the second round. I agree with you. There's no reason why he should be going in the first. He's he's too much of a project to be going in the first round unless you're sitting there like as a playoff team where you think your quarterback is only a couple of years away from maybe retiring and, and let's say let's say Pittsburgh, for instance. You know you have to replace Ben Roethlisberger at some point. You're picking later on in the draft. It would have to be a situation like that for him to go in the first round. I agree with you, though. He should be going in the second round. He is he's just somebody who's he's either gonna hit and hit big or or he's just, or he is going to be one of the bigger busts that we talk about later on, who who, who disappeared uh, rather quickly as far as the quarterbacks go. Uh, we do need to pick up the pace here a little bit because we still have some more tight ends that we got to talk about, and we got one more quarterback here in Jacob Easton. Uh, Jacob Easton, I'm just going to give my thing real quick. To me, he is nothing more than a guy who has a strong arm. And everybody was a fall in love with him because of that. But as far as being an actual passer, as far as being an actual quarterback goes, I think this is a guy who's who's just going to be a backup at best. He reminds me way too much of uh, Ryan Mallett. What, what's your take here on Jacob Easton? Yeah, I don't believe Easton will go in the first two rounds of the NFL draft. And I think he's just a backup. He does have a good pocket passer prototype with a very strong arm. He can step up and rip it between two levels of defenders, which is something that will make teams excited. However, I don't think that he'll be much more than a backup. And as a backup in the NFL, you're not going to have any fantasy production. Right, it, 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 exactly. Like I said, he reminds me a lot of Ryan Mallett, where he's, he might find himself in a situation where coaches want to give it a chance because he has an NFL, he has an NFL elite arm. That, that's without a doubt. But you're going to find he's inefficient. 
and you're just going to keep running into accuracy issues. Before we move on into the tight ends, I want to give you guys the Fanatics live read here. They are the number one for span, fan, can't talk today, fan sports apparel memorabilia store in the world. Get access to all their available discounts by clicking on the link from the MD's Fantasy Football Show from our posts on social media. You can go to Twitter at MDSFFshow, or you can go to Facebook at MDFFshow and click on the links today to get all of the latest deals. Now, next up, we got the tight ends. Now, this is not a strong tight end class. This is especially for when you're talking about fantasy purposes. But there are a few tight ends that are going to be talked about that are, do have some kind of sneaky value if they were wind up in, in the right situations. And the number guy, one guy that we want to talk about to you guys today is uh, Cole Komet. So, Houston, why don't, you, why don't you give us your take here on uh, Cole Komet and what he might be able to bring to the table? production was in 2017-2018, but most don't know that he is a dual-sport athlete at Notre Dame. He did play baseball as well, but as we saw in 2019, he focused primarily on football, and it really helped him. Um, I think Cole Komet is one of the best tight ends in this league, or in this draft class, excuse me, and I think that he has a good shot of ending up in Washington with new coach Ron Rivera. If that does happen, I do see Ron Rivera using Cole Komet as as a Greg Olson type, and he would produce fantasy points. That I rank him against the current tight ends in the league, I don't know, but I will. He will have production if he is under Ron Rivera in Washington. I like that a lot. I like that take a lot. Ending up with Washington, I hadn't really thought about that as a possible destination. I guess because I I kind of in my mind think Cole Komet has a chance to go in the first round. I think he's the only tight end who has a chance to go in the first round. So I kind of kept thinking about these teams that were in the 20s later on that maybe needed a tight end that he could possibly go. Washington would be a great fit because your point, he is kind of like a Greg Olson in that sense. I actually, my player comp to him is actually a Heath Miller um, for, for one reason, one reason only. Yes, he's all around also like Greg Olson, but Cole Komet has that natural instinct I believe in when it comes to zone coverages and finding the hole and making himself available for for his quarterback to be able to move the chains on a consistent basis That's something I kind of saw out of him consistently I do while he does have some ability to go down the field I was impressed with his 40 I was I didn't expect him to run a 4-7 so I did I did take me by surprise I thought it was going to be a little bit closer to the 4-8 mid 4-7-5 kind of deal like that so the fact that he's able to run a 4-7 show a little bit of speed maybe he'll have more of an ability than what I saw consistently on tape as far as him being able to stretch the seam uh, but he, he does can, he can do a little bit of everything he's a guy who's going to be on the field 24 7 because he can block he can do all those things he's probably one of the few tight ends that is all around in this draft class and uh, I like that fit a lot if you wind up in Washington that would be an excellent fit it'd be a great safety blanket for Dwayne Haskins uh, they already have familiarity they brought in all the coaches from Carolina essentially so, yeah, I would like that fit a lot for him. Now, when it comes to him, though, I think he's the only tight end who truly has... I wouldn't say the only one. There is one more tight end I think might have some redraft value this season because he can be on the field a little bit more and might have a chance to to start necess- start possibly, depending on where he winds up at. But with Cole Komet, I think he's one of the few who does have some redraft ability. But when it comes to tight ends in general... A lot of times you can't you can't get these guys in read not when not in the rookie year you can't get them in redraft because they're just not going to be utilized the same way. There's a longer learning curve. 
Uh, so with Cole Komet, he is the guy that I'm looking at in dynasty leagues. I know you're going to be on the field all the time. There's a better chance you get to have a longer career than a lot of these guys out there because of the way you're built, he doesn't get hurt as much. So I do like him a lot in that sense uh, for dynasty leagues. If you're looking at that tight end of the future, I do believe that could be Cole Komet, especially, yeah, I like that call a lot if he goes in, in uh, to Washington. The next guy that we want to talk about here, and this is for me more so because you're going to hear a lot about him because he's Randy Moss's son. Thaddeus Moss, go ahead and give us your take on Thaddeus Moss for us. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Yeah, so, I mean, the way you described him is perfect. His dad is Randy Moss, and that's really going to make his name rise. However, at LSU, I mean, he did have Joe Burrow that threw for 60 touchdowns, and Thaddeus Moss only had four of them, two of them coming in the national championship game. I, If you're trying to find Randy Moss and Thaddeus, you're not going to find it. He's I believe he's just an ordinary athlete. His one one thing I do like about him is his ability to block in the run game. However, as we know, just because you have a, the ability to block in the run game doesn't mean you're catching touchdowns or catching passes that make you a real fantasy star. In dynasty leagues, I might look to add him in later in the later rounds of a rookie draft. However, I just don't think he'll do much on the fantasy side. Yeah, if you could tell me right now that Thaddeus Moss would get moved to a fullback situation on a team that actually use him because there aren't that many teams out there, but just just throwing, just spitballing out there, if you want up on a team like San Francisco or you want up on a team like Baltimore and actually utilize their fullbacks from time to time, I think he'll have a better NFL career. Obviously, that has nothing to do with fantasy because if you're a fullback, you're fantasy irrelevant. And Thaddeus Moss is going to be fantasy irrelevant. He's not quick. He's very stiff in the hips. So while he has some nuance to his route running ability that you could tell he learned from his dad growing up, he's not going to run away from anybody in the NFL. That's that's for sure. And while I was ashamed that he got hurt for the combine, honestly, I don't think he was going to have a great workout because the combine really only benefits players that are athletic freaks. He is not one of those guys. He is a guy who has made his name for him being a fundamental blocker. He is not a pass catcher. That's why I wanted to bring up Thaddeus Moss here. I don't think he's a guy who's going to get drafted before the sixth round, quite frankly. If it, it could possibly not even get drafted at all. But we wanted to bring him up because people are going to talk about him because he's Thaddeus Moss. And I want to make sure nobody makes the mistake of thinking that he is this athletic, uh, overgrown wide receiver who's playing tight end. He is not. He is a block first type of guy. So uh, I'm glad you thought that way. Glad you said that. And that, that's kind of why we, we brought him up. Uh, and want to make sure everyone knows that. So I wouldn't touch him in dynasty leagues. He's never going to have redraft value, obviously. Uh, so Thaddeus Moss, we're kind of just staying away from and making sure you guys know that name. Now, this next guy, I'm not even going to try to pronounce his last name. We're just going to call him Albert O. This is his nickname through college. We're going to stick with that nickname. Uh, what's your take here on Albert O, who had the fastest 40 at the Combine? Yeah, it's a great... I'm glad you called him Albert O. That is, that is what a lot of people will call him. But... He did run, like you said, one of the fastest 40 times of all the tight ends at the Combine. Um, he's not a small tight end either. At 6'5", 260, or an impressive 4'4", 9'40". Um, he's a playmaker. I think he can slide in the slot and 
play about any wideout tight end position. One thing I do say about him is he doesn't he's not the best route runner. He struggles to create separation with his route. Although he's a big threat in the red zone, he only brought in twenty three total touchdowns in Missouri. Um, with his sizes and speed, I think he can make a difference for the red in the red zone for NFL's teams. However, I just don't really know where he can land. And that's my only concern for him. Yeah, it, it, he, this is another guy who's going to be very situation dependent, right? Because, look, we're talking about a guy who has great straight line speed. He can run away from people down the field. He can definitely stretch the seam. I have him comped as a poor man version of Noah Fant. And what was the big thing about Noah Fant? He doesn't have a route tree. Albert O really doesn't have a route tree. And I don't know if he can ever develop one. Because you're talking about a guy who, you want to talk about stiff in the hips? This, this, I, somebody needs to stretch him out. Somebody needs to teach him ballet. Somebody needs to go, go and give this guy a yoga class. He looks like he can't move left to right when he's out there on the field. It takes a year and a half for him to turn a corner on an out route. That, that's the, my biggest thing with Albert O. I think we're talking about a guy who is an athletic specimen as far as his size, like you brought up there, uh, can run can run past almost anybody, especially for how big he is at 4.49. Incredibly impressive, and you, and you see it on film. But unless he's in a situation where he can just have a linebacker one-on-one and he can just run past him, I don't know if this is a guy who's ever going to be really that consistent. He's always going to be that guy who you're going to wonder about and has some athletic appeal, but at the end of the day, isn't really going to ever be utilized, isn't really ever going to be a featured guy who's ever going to actually take off and be anything more uh, than a backup. So I think he's one of those guys you're only talking about in dynasty leagues anyway, as far as value goes. And he's one of those guys I would let someone else grab him and make that mistake. And I would open up that draft spot uh, for a guy who might actually have a better time career. Cause I don't see it out of Albert. O unless he suddenly uh, gets way more flexible uh, than what he is uh, definitely now. Uh, this next guy I want to talk about though, Harrison Bryant is, is that guy uh, I was talking about a little bit earlier that I think could sneakily have some redraft value if he winds up in the right situation because this this is the other all-around tight end coming into this draft class who very well may have a chance to make an impact early on. What, what did you like about Harrison Bryant? Houston, because I know you said you liked him earlier. Yeah, I'm, I really like Harrison Bryant. I, I think he could be one of the top tight ends in this class. Um, Harrison Bryant, he did have a good season in 2019. Uh, at Florida Atlantic under head coach Lane Kiffin. Uh, this is very – you don't see this a ton. Ryan did eclipse over 1,000 yards last season. As a as a collegiate tight end, you never see tight ends get over 1,000 yards unless they are pretty special. Uh, he's an all-around football player. He has a very high football IQ and just has a knack for the ball. Um, he's also reliable in the run game despite being a little smaller than other tight ends. I mean, at – 243 pounds that's not small but he does he needs to add on a little bit of weight and get in the weight room um one thing i do like about him is i do think that he could join joe burrow in cincinnati and though we didn't see joe burrow use thaddeus moss a ton at lsu i do think with brian being in cincinnati joining joe burrow those two could get a very good connection and he could be a fantasy producing tight end year one he would be a later on option in redraft and in dynasty leagues. I could consider him taking him in the third to fourth round of rookie draft and being very happy with what he could bring to my team in the future. Yeah, I do like that call quite a bit myself. Uh, this is a, that's definitely a great fit, and especially since you're talking about a team that 
you know, not that Tyler Eifert has been much because of his back issues, but he did just sign with the Jacksonville Jaguars. He's not there. Uh, they do, they they do need another tight end. CJ Hoosman. Uh, uh, I almost called him. I almost combined a uh, CJ Hoosman Zada into one person there. Uh, CJ Uzma is is definitely not the guy for the future, right? So yeah, Harrison Bryant. You're talking about a guy maybe third round, fourth round in the NFL draft will probably go. He would be somebody that he could, they could probably pick up at that point uh, with their draft pick. So that is a a plausible and a good spot for a guy like that. Uh, yeah, Harrison Bryant, he's to me, he's the guy. He was in a smaller school. Uh, a lot of people don't know about him coming into it, but he, there's nothing he really can't do. He has the right size that you're looking for. He can block a little bit. He has to get a little bit better, a little more power in his run blocking ability. Uh, but as soon as he's able to do that, he'll be really good. I think he would really excel in an offense that would use him as an H-back. And I do think with Zach Taylor and what his background is, uh, would actually probably utilize him in that type of area uh, or just a team like that where he could he can kind of move in kind of be like that fullback flex tight end kind of be utilized as a piece all around and because he is a decent blocker he's still going to be on the field most of the time and be that starter Harrison Bryant to me is a sleeper guy that you have to look out for in dynasty drafts it may be a year from now but I think it'll only be a year from now in year two for him that he will be able to come back with some nice dynasty value for you guys and be a tight end that we're talking about later on as possibly a top 10 top 12 type of guy uh, when we get in the redraft leagues in a, in, a, in a year or two from from now, he doesn't have the big athletic ability that I think he could actually uh, could really be definitely a free, uh, a redraft uh, asset at this moment. But definitely somebody who I think is going to uh, make more waves and be more of a star than people are giving credit for, and especially in a tight end class that a lot of people are overlooking in general. The next guy I want to talk about here is Hunter Bryant. Uh, no relation, and. With the, with Hunter Bryant here, I have him comp as a Jordan Reed. This is your prototypical fantasy tight end. This is the type of guy you're looking for where you know he's more of a glorified wide receiver playing the tight end position. Uh, Houston, what are some of the things that you saw about Hunter Bryant here? Yeah, you probably more have more positive things to say than I do about Hunter Bryant. But after watching his film, it does feel like he just ran the same route for most of his college career. Yes, he did run it pretty well, but I think his route running may be limited. And at Washington, they were smart enough to hide that. Um, I, one concern I did have for Bryant coming in the combine was his strength. But after posting 23 reps of 225, obviously he is a lot stronger than I originally thought. Um, he's not the greatest run blocker, but he does feel like more of a slot receiver in my eyes. His ball skills are pretty good, which is... I do like when I'm evaluating tight ends. Yeah, I I agree. That's why I compared him to Jordan Reed. He even had a similar workout to Jordan Reed too. I mean, he ran a four seven four. Jordan Reed ran a four seven five. I think a lot of people forget that Jordan Reed didn't run that great of a forty as people would expect him to. Uh, I agree with you. He did run. He doesn't have the full route tree, or at least we didn't see him run the full route tree in in Washington on a consistent basis. But he has the hips of a wide receiver. In high school, he was actually a running back. He has that athleticism where I think it's something he's definitely going to develop at the next level. He just needs to go to a team that's going to be able to utilize him as such. Doesn't isn't going to need to call on him to be a blocker because he's a terrible blocker. Uh, it doesn't matter if it's pass blocking, run blocking. He, he's He's not that guy. Like I said, he's a he's an overgrown wide receiver who's too thick to actually play the wide receiver position. So they, you kind of make him a flex tight end situation. He's going to fit somewhere because flex tight ends are in high demand. People always want them somewhere. So he's somebody who I'm going to take 
he's he's actually a guy who could have sneaky redraft value depending on where he winds up if they if he winds up on a team that actually has uh, a tight end need and needs to actually feature somebody in their offense as a weapon uh before you said harrison bryant going to the redskins that was kind of what i had in mind especially comparing him to jordan reed it felt like a a natural fit there um but yeah he's i hear what you're saying on that that's definitely true but i think you're talking about a guy who's going to really develop as far as pass catching goes uh, the question will be, of course, does he wind up on a team that needs a tight end to be able to also run block? If that winds up being the case, I'll question how much he's able to get on the field. And he's also not a guy who's being as touted as Jordan Reed coming into the draft either. He's probably going to go a lot lower, so there's not going to be as much invested in him to get him going right away. It's the other interesting thing. Uh, we'll have to wait and see what happens with him. The last guy we're talking about in today's podcast is Adam Troutman. And this is one of my favorite guys to talk about. This is... The sleeper of sleepers. This is the guy that a lot of people don't know about, but because he played in such a small school, he played in D2, he didn't play D1 ball, but this guy has the prototypical size that you want, has the athleticism that you want, and I think Adam Troutman is really going to shock some people and be a name that people will find out maybe in a year or two from now. He's not going to start right away. He's still raw at the tight end position. He's only been a tight end for about a year. Houston, tell us what you think about Adam Troutman. bring his game to the next level however i do troutman is very talented he's a very good athlete he can play slot receiver spent most of his time lined up at tight end however and in earlier years of dayton they played him in the wildcat position uh troutman is just a baller when he has the ball in his hands he has a good job of getting to his top speed despite being a bigger tight end and i do believe this draft will favor tight ends that have had the numbers to support their college to support their play at the college level. Um, I would like to see Troutman join Gardner Minshew with the Jaguars. They, I know they just signed Tyler Eifert, but he does have injury concerns, and I think Troutman would be a good guy to bring in and let him maybe sit for a year or maybe just learn the system better and become a fantasy-relevant tight end in years to come. Yeah, I like that a lot, too. He's definitely somebody who's going to have to develop uh, he's de- especially in his blocking ability. I think he will be able to do that at the NFL level because of his size. He has natural strength, uh, and there's there's going to be a longer learning curve with him because he just hasn't been playing position that long, and he's going to have the biggest jump as far as talent you know, competition goes because he's he was playing for Dayton. He wasn't playing for a big school, so he's going to have a longer learning curve, but he has the talent uh, there. I really like this guy a lot. So if you're in your dynasty leagues, you want to pick up somebody later on who has some upside at tight end position, I do think Adam Troutman is going to shock some people, uh, especially upcoming in the years to come. And the one last tidbit I'll have on him is that he plays a lot faster than his 40 would suggest. He only wound up running a 4.8. I thought he was going to be in the four set, low 4.7s at that. But his tape shows a much more athletic, much more faster guy who definitely can stretch the seam, I believe, at the next level. That actually wraps up the show for today. I hope you guys all enjoyed it. Went through a handful of quarterbacks and tight ends for you guys there. Uh, Houston, before we let you go, can you please tell MD Nation exactly where to find you and what's something that you're going to be working on coming out in the next uh, few days here? Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter. Um, Our main account is Final Drive FF. You can also find my personal account at FD Houston W. Um, as I finish up March here, I'm currently working on my dynasty wide receiver rankings. 
can see where I rank my current wide receivers. And as I go into April, I'm currently um, going to have my dynasty tight end rankings. Those will be out before the draft and post-draft. I'll go through every team and see what their fantasy outlook will be for the 2020 season. Excellent, excellent. Houston, we want to thank you so much for coming in today, so much for being uh, the first-time appearance on here. We will definitely be getting on, getting you on the show uh, more and more, especially with the offseason being the way it is and content we're going to get out. There's going to be a lot of dynasty moves here that we're going to be uh, getting made uh, made after, especially after the draft, because we'll have a better concrete idea of the value of these guys, where they're going to go, and that'll give everybody else a better concrete idea when their rookie drafts come up, where they want to be able to take these guys. Just so everybody is clear, we're going to be back again, of course, next week. We got one show a week every Friday. We're going to be back next week talking about the potential fantasy value for running backs. We're going to be on the phone next week. Our special guest is going to be Anthony Servino. That's right, Anthony Servino from Fantasy Pros, one of the top ECR ranking guys. Uh, on there last year, finished, I believe, 15th overall. So he's going to bless this show with his presence. We cannot wait for that. You can always find this show on Twitter at MDSFFshow, on Facebook at MDFFshow. Make sure you're checking us out on BellyUpFantasySports.com where you can find all the scoring leader rankings, the consistency rankings that I am working on will be out on that website soon. Make sure you guys call the MD Nation hotline 609-362-2480. Get your comment, your rant, your question, whatever it may be. Get it out. Get it off your chest. Get a chance to be on the show and we'll have it on on the next one as soon as you leave a call, as soon as you leave a voicemail there for you guys. We'll be checking out real soon. Make sure you come and follow this podcast on any one of your favorite podcast apps and of course, every show during the off season is being live video streamed on YouTube. Uh, MD Fantasy Football Show. Subscribe Sportscaster at MDFF Belly Up USN, and you can also find us on Facebook. As I said, at MDFF Show, we got that live going there as well. I hope you guys all enjoyed the show. We'll be seeing you again really soon next week. And everyone, stay safe, stay healthy, and take care. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.